0: If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, as always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by Brian Wagers with Elevate Commercial Investment Group. Brian, thank you so much for joining us, and we're uh, excited to have you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Sterling.
0: Brian, can you give our listeners a little bit of uh, background about yourself, kind of what you were doing before real estate, and how, how you got to where you, what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, so not a whole lot of background before. I got started in real estate pretty early, so pretty... Uh, I got started, I guess, when I was about 24, 25. So before I was born in Cincinnati, raised there, went to University of Kentucky, got my economics degree there. And right out of college, I went right into sales. Um, I was at a company for about three years. So I was just, you know, grinding it out, you know, putting my head down, trying to grow my book of business and sales. What
0: did you sell?
1: Uh, logistics services, uh, trucking. I was in like, uh, or... Trucking like across the country, shippers and receivers need to get trucks in and out of their, their uh, warehouses. Cool. Yeah, so fast paced industry, uh, kind of rough around the edges, you know, dealing with, you know, the, the trucking industry not always going right. So it was definitely good, you know, built some thick skin pretty quickly and uh, learned, uh, learned a lot in sales.
0: And so how'd you transition from that into real estate?
1: Yeah, so at the time, you know, it took me like a couple of years, but I started to, you know, really get my footing there and have a good solid book of business. And I was maxing out my Roth IRA accounts um, and I knew I had to do something with my money. You know, I I was working pretty hard for my money and it was it was growing pretty quickly and it kind of led me to think either the stock market or real estate. And I played my hand in, in the stock market and I found out quickly how little control I really had in the stock market. And it wasn't really as quick as I thought it was going to be. I invested in like pharmaceutical company and uh, GoPro at the time. GoPro went from like $35 to $5. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this this was way out of my control. I had nothing to do with whatever CEO decision made or, you know, I was very little, in my hand, So that led me to real estate, you know, going into that, I knew a lot of wealth in America is created through, you know, the stock industry or the real estate industry. So, you know, that led me to real estate. Um, I had a, a sort of, you know, bigger pockets, a lot of people are familiar with that, that that's what sure. kind of turned me on and got to real estate and got my brand thinking about that. So uh, I got a single family home pretty quickly after I made the decision to get into real estate. And um, had that rented out, managed it myself. Um, so that was my first ever, uh,
0: real estate deal. Awesome. And so how did you get from, you know, your first single family rental house to working at, at, at Elevate?
1: Yeah. So, Right after I had that single family, I it was it was going great. You know, the guy paid me Venmo first of the month. The, he paid me nine fifty. The rent was four fifty, uh, or my mortgage was four fifty. I didn't have any three a.m. water bus horror stories. It was just uh, way too slow. You know, it was like if I'm going to do this, it's going to take ten of these, twenty of these to get where I wanted to go. So I quickly pivoted to to multi. You know, I, I knew commercial real estate. The economies of scale were there. And specifically with multifamily, you have the fundamentals of rental property investing, you know, with the scalability of commercial real estate. So, I pivoted quickly to, to multifamily. I located a 12 unit in the same market. I got started in my backyard here in Arkansas. Um, so, I got a, I got a 12 unit under contract. Then I um, found a 20 unit from driving for dollars. And uh, had the seller seller actually carried back the note. So at that point, I was at 32 units that I owned 100% of. Then I was able to refinance out of the first 12 unit and get into another 12 unit. So I added another 12 units to my portfolio. Um, And I did that for a little bit, you know, 12 units, 20 units, built up a portfolio of about 60 units that I owned 100% of. Um, My girlfriend's dad at the time had owned some single family properties free and clear. And I Mm -hmm. had to, you know, slowly, he understood rental property, had a large commercial paying contracting business, understood, um, you know, real estate, but was pretty debt adverse. You know, they'd been through, you know, uh, 2008 crash, but, you know, I kind of showed them, you know, the benefits of what I was doing and how leverage can be a good thing and debt and good debt can be a good thing. So he started partnering with me and, just the two of us, we built up a portfolio of another 450 units. So I was a main partner on those 60 units. And then the main partner on the 450 units that we partnered up with in my backyard of Arkansas, uh, Northwest Arkansas to be specific. So, uh, uh, Rogers Bentonville, Springdale, Fort Smith, you, some of your listeners might, uh, familiar with those areas. Um, that's but a bold, as, that's a
0: bold a bold move partnering with the girlfriend's dad, huh?
1: Yeah, <laughs> had, we had to lay out the expectations. You know that that's something. Uh, it paid off. You know he's doing really well with all our investments. You know we're we're selling 102 units actually tomorrow that we're uh, still,
0: still together. I assume.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. Awesome. yeah, yeah. So she's my wife now, and uh, he. Yeah. So he. Uh, he's making like 184% return on that. And, uh, that that's going to sell tomorrow. Um, but we, we've had a couple of exits already and he's doing well with those. So, um, it it was good, good, uh, working with him because he is definitely very more hands-on than your typical passive investor that I work with now. You know, it's very detailed to the numbers and everything. So it was definitely a good learning experience. You know, you, when you're working with people, you'll get all sorts of, some people who want to be hands-off, some people want to be hands-on. So um, it was a good experience for sure. And it still is experience. We're, we're still partnered on some deals.
0: So explain to me your relationship with Elevate and how that kind of came to be. Because it sounds, you know, a lot of times that we start kind of in similar ways as you did. You know, we start buying single family houses and we may partner up with somebody locally and, and buy a few more. And, you know, there's always these opportunities to work with these larger operators and, but then there's always also kind of this desire to be the larger operator. So like, tell me about how that relationship formed and why you decided and kind of what that relationship looks like.
1: Yeah. So it was about, you know, probably two years ago, I always had larger syndications in the back of my mind, you know, that. Like that's somewhere that I probably wanted to go. But I, what I was doing was working. We, we were knocking out deals. We got good systems. But, you know, about a year and a half to two years ago, I, I'm in northwest Arkansas. There's only so much inventory here. And I was starting to make offers. I was seeing, starting to see some of the same apartments that I made offers on, like when I first got started, you know, it was coming back. Some of these deals were cycling back through. And I had made offers five hundred thousand million dollars less than what they're what they're asking for on these smaller properties. So I knew I was going. I knew I was going to have to branch out outside of my market. So you know, I started to locate and look for other operators that were growing, um, that had some sort of unique uh, advantage to other syndicators, um, and that's when I kind of located Elevate and, you know, found saw like what George and Eric were doing with the team. I really liked that they had the in-house construct. They had came from a construction background. You know, when, when you're doing these deals, CapEx is such a huge, important part of your business plan, you know, due diligence, finding stuff that I know I, I would be afraid to do, you know, just cause I had those experiences, you know, going in on a 200 unit Apartment complex. I might miss something that someone with a trained eye in construction would see. Some sort of foundational issue, something that they could pick up and nail down on those experience. So that really helped. Um, I started raising for them on a couple of deals um, in Dallas. So I'm in Arkansas. I knew the story of Texas. You know, everyone's interested in Texas. It's a growing market. It's a great market. Most of the markets there. Um, it's right next door to me. So I understood the story of of Texas. So. Um, I, re- I started raising, I reached out to them and we met at uh, uh, an event, George and I met at an event and um, started really connecting there. So I re- actually raised on three or four deals with them where I was just a, the capital raiser for them before we actually you know, partnered up uh, full-time where it wasn't just my, the company that I built, Wagers Capital, uh, working with Elevate. Now it's, you know, I'm just Elevate. You know, Wagers Capital is Elevate. So um, it, that's kind of how, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. I, I located these guys. We, we partnered on a couple of deals before we went full on uh, committed to Elevate.
0: That's awesome. That's an awesome story. I love hearing it. I mean, and we all, we all know the story, you know, uh, while we do the larger properties right cuz you know 20% of a watermelon is a lot more than 100% of a grape and yeah. you know the same thing can be said on the company side right you know being a portion of elevate capital is it allows you to to grow and leverage all of those resources that's a that's an awesome story um what uh w- what do you think is next for you
1: yeah so elevate's goal right now is is 10,000 units under management So um, that's the next step. I think, you know, you're always pivoting with your goals and and targets. So, you know, that, that's our, that's our near one in the future. So um, my role in getting us there is going to be managing invest, you know, previous investor relations, making sure they're getting the communication that they deserve, make sure that we're, I'm helping with incoming investors, make sure that I'm, working closely with other capital raisers that we might bring in, working with PREF Equity Group, institutional funds that are going to be investing with us, make sure that the lending is connecting with our investors, make sure we have the full picture on pretty much the whole capital stack is what I'm gonna be overseeing. Um, you know, with, with Elevate, they have so much uh, experience in the construction acquisitions um, area. You know, I knew that I could bring that value add to uh, the investor side. I don't have to be boots on the ground in Texas or boots on the ground in South Carolina or, or Florida or wherever we may need do a deal. I can be in Arkansas or, or I can go out to those sites as needed. But um, my kind of value add there was the investor equity capital side.
0: Awesome. So you are probably on the forefront of these conversations about, uh, economic forecast. I would imagine that's a conversation you talk, speaking with investors that you probably have more than anybody else in the company. Right. So, you know, this might be a few weeks before it airs, but I imagine that we're not going to be in any better situation than we are today, but you know, as of, um, May 12th uh, at one seventeen PM, you know, the interest rates are through the roof, the stock market's crumbling, you know, cryptocurrency bottomed out. Uh, what is your kind of economic outlook for multifamily? And, you know, I guess the, you know, the the kind of the topics we want to touch on there, are like how do you feel like interest rates are, are, are going to, are they going to remain low? Or are they going to go up? How do you think cap rates are, are going to, um, Performer in the next year or two in relation to the interest rates, and what do you think? How do you think that affects the the liquidity in multifamily and multifamily in the buyer pool?
1: Yeah, it's all great. You know, it's a it's a fast moving economy. It's you know the th- great thing about multifamily real estate it's uh, it moves a lot slower than the rest of you know when you see stocks go from you know like I had thirty five to five. I experienced that. You know, you're you're seeing a lot of people that. are heavily involved in the stock market, you know, suffer. If they were planning on retiring right now and planning on setting up a drip from their retirement account, you know, they're, that's not, they're not in a good position. So, you know, as far as multi, you know, you're seeing more and more people, even starting from last year, more and more people that were looking to move out of it with the volatility of the stock market through COVID, after COVID, now with inflation, you're seeing a lot more people looking at real estate as a avenue to diversify. So that's actually affecting multifamily real estate because there's a lot more capital chasing deals. Now you're, you're seeing like, you know, these, these prices continue to, to be high, you know, it's, it's been happening for the past year or two, you know, for every hundred deals that you're underwriting, maybe one is a good one where before it might've been, you know, every 20, you think you might have a good one. Um, so the deals are the good deals are getting more slim, but it's going to reward the people that are active in the space that know what's moving, know where the market is going. As far as interest rates go, I think they're going to slowly, steadily climb. I don't think they're going to skyrocket by any means, but I do think you know there's going to be slight increases in that. But I don't think that's going to outweigh the amount of capital that's chasing multifamily now. So multifamily has become you're kind of uh, insulated by how much more capital is going into multifamily. So you have a lot more exits now. You have a lot more potential buyers that you can sell to now that there's so much more capital going in there. And you can sell a little bit quicker than you could before. So you have that kind of insulation there with the increased buyer pool. You have people that were in the retail space and commercial office space that are now, that saw COVID, and they're looking at how multifamily performed. And so they're starting to look at multifamily as well, so I think that helps mitigate the interest rate rises. You know, you definitely want to make sure you are underwriting for uh, you're getting conservative in your underwriting for refinance events in year three. You're not you're not getting a lower interest rate than what you're coming in at. That's for sure. So you want to make sure uh, you're underwriting correctly for that and being conservative in your uh, underwriting. We are underwriting for exit cap you know you want to make sure your exit cap rate is is higher than what you're buying at too you know that's something that uh you might see some people fidget with the exit cap what what are we thinking we're going to be selling this in year three to five you know so you want to be conservative there um with with the exit cap rates i I still think that they're going to remain low for the next three to five years but i think you know there will be uh I think there will be a correction possibly closer to year five in the single family space, not maybe as much as multifamily space, but you're seeing from these builders, you know, people, there's such a need for affordable housing and such a need for housing period. You know, you're seeing these studies where if you start swinging hammers today, you know, nonstop, you're still not going to fill that need in in three to five years. So I think the need for places to live are are still going to outweigh the interest rate rises.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So let's talk a little bit of just shifting gears. Let's talk a little bit about being an active investor versus a passive investor. Um, I mean, it's a conversation we have all the time. One thing that I, I want to kind of dive into is because, you know, I, I'm just like you, I, I raise capital from passive investors. Um, but, you know, it's, it's no secret that as an active investor, you can build wealth a lot faster right? than, than on the passive side. So why, why might somebody want to go to the passive side versus the active side?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if you're doing real estate full-time, you do have the potential to build that equity uh, faster. Um, if that's what you want your primary job to be, I think go for it. But don't be the person that was trying to get in to active real estate for two years and still hasn't found a deal, you know, you're, you're losing that opportunity cost of what you could have invested in the meantime. So um, I think active it's, it becomes more of a job. Um, But as far as passive, you know, you you might be making, you might have a higher return on your money if you're um, building your business or, you know, moving up in your company as a, as an executive in a company or or working on your, your, your growing business versus trying to chase down deals or chase down management.
0: It's, it's so true. And, you know, it's so funny. People always come to me and they say, well, I want to be an active investor. I'm like, really? Cause I want to be a passive investor. Like I'm, I'm just hustling like this because I have to, like if I had tons of money sitting in a bag that I could, you know, that I could invest. I'd be giving it, I'd be giving it to you, Brian. I wouldn't be out here. You know what I'm saying? Not. It's a lot of work. Um, it is a lot of work. I mean, pretty much any way you go about it, right. Flipping houses is a lot of work. Sponsoring large multifamily projects is a lot of work. And, and not only do, do people typically find out, in my opinion, that they don't want to do that much work, but, you're right. They don't have time for it or, or they're sacrificing, you know, like people love real estate because of all of the like long-term benefits of being an investor. If you're, if you, I mean, if you have a high paying job, don't give up your high pay. I said I say it all the time. I came from uh telecom sales and it was like, it was like, well, if I quit my job and I manage the properties full-time, well, then I could say this much. I was like, well, I would rather sell broadband than manage properties. That's terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like so why I, I see it happen all the time. People give up like a good job and then they go become a real estate agent. And it's like, I mean, and not that real estate agents don't have a good job. I have plenty of respect for the real estate agents out there, but I'm like, I'm like, you're, you you, all you did was trade jobs. You didn't like yeah. go become a real estate investor. Right. You're still grinding. Um, so if you have a, you know, I think for, for our target audience, you know, me and yourself, uh, I think the message is if like, if you have a job that you're really good at and is or, or you have a business that makes you a lot of money, like don't give that up just to come work somewhere else. You know, there's, there's a, a better, a better way for you.
1: Yeah. thousand percent, you know, it's, it becomes a full-time job and it's a good way to build equity. Like if, if you don't have the equity to invest in real estate, you know, that, maybe getting in full-time active flipping houses. That's a good way to build equity, flip it, you know, doing some wholesaling or, uh, you know, an agent work, you know, that could be a, your way to build up equity. But when you're, when you have a high pay, you're an executive at a company and you're trying to, you're taking away time from that. You're, you're having a lot of opportunity costs at your current position mm-hmm. when you could be getting a higher return on your hour at that other, you know, business or position. So it depends at what level you are. And usually it, me and you are working with our accredited investors. So when they're, when you get right. to that accreditation status, you know, 300,000, you know, 200 to 300,000 and up your mm-hmm. income, you know, per hour is a lot better spent on continuing that path, how they got to accredited and then continuing growing that. So um, I think it's just about the opportunity cost.
0: Absolutely. Now, what would you do differently if you had to start over again, Brian? Man,
1: I, I really like the you know, I'm 31 right now. So I, I would say um I really enjoyed my path to get to where I am and I really enjoy looking at the future of where I'm going. So um yeah, I would say it's been a really good ride so far. So um maybe thinking about going bigger quicker, you know, oh, sure. which I could have started uh, looking at doing the the larger projects earlier yeah. on when I was building up my portfolio.
0: I I, I guess the the the, que- the way the question is phrased is presumptuous, assuming that you would do something different. To I guess to better to better rephrase the question, what advice would you give somebody else who's just getting started?
1: Yeah, start start thinking bigger. Yeah, I, I would say think big when you're getting started. Make sure you're taking that not just thinking big, but doing the act, doing the work, like you, you can try some things and, um, it's going to take consistent hard work. You know, it's, that's what it is. It's not just a magic pill as far as getting started. Um, but someone who's getting started passively investing, I, I would make sure you're vetting the sponsors, seeing their past deals seeing, um, you know, how much skin they're putting, how much skin in the game they've got. You know that includes how much equity they're putting in deals, but also their their social image, their brand image. You know, you, you're you you have a reputation right now with the podcast, you, your own podcast. So you know that's not all. That's like your own skin in the game as far as your brand. You know, you want to look at someone who's who's building a brand too. But you you do have some people that have brands so big that they don't necessarily need to, you know, provide higher returns or. Uh, you know, as many touch points with investors. So I think finding what you're most comfortable with as an investor, um, figuring out what kind of assets you want to go after, what kind of partners you want to go after, um, what kind of areas of the country that you're looking at, kind of narrow down, get specific about where you want to go, uh, I think are all important.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and I I, uh, I invest alongside, you know, with skin in the game with every every project that I've raised capital for. And I, I think that's important. and We'll always do so. But uh, what you, what you had mentioned about the brand and and that skin in the game, that that's so true. Like it's, when we, when our chosen profession, or industry requires uh, trust higher than anything else. Right. Like we would never all of the people I know in this industry would never, ever do anything to violate that trust. And that is, you know, that that is the that is the, the skin in a lot of game is is our reputation and our brand. And I just most of the people in this industry, I know they would they would never do anything to violate that that trust of the general public that they're maybe they, listening to in the future.
1: Yeah. I mean, your reputation is everything, especially when you're growing. You know, you have a growing company like that's that's vital, important to your growth.
0: Absolutely. So I want to hop over to our radio round, just three quick questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. The first question is what's your favorite book?
1: Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill.
0: Awesome. I, uh, I was actually, I just got my assistant to read that. He just, he was just telling me earlier today, he just finished it. So a a great book. I've, I've read it multiple times. What is your favorite? What is your favorite quote?
1: um i would say go go one more i don't know if it was uh, david goggins or or jocko Willink, one of those guys who said it but you know when you when you're tired you know whether that's one more rep in the gym or one more phone call to you know a lead you know just when you feel like you're done just try to go one more and, and put in that extra extra mile that-
0: that's a great quote. And those are great inspirational guys. And you get extra credit on that answer because I didn't tell you at the beginning of the show that I was going to be asking that. I usually give my guests a heads up, but I forgot to so That's all good. awesome on having that on the tip of your tongue. Cause most of the time when I forget to give people a heads up, they're kind of like doing this number fumbling around. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> people could come up with a book on the spot pretty regularly, but yeah. the quote, the quote, unless it's written on your wall, People tend to be grasping at straws. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite thing to do when you're not working?
1: Um, I like staying healthy and in shape. So, you know, working out is pretty important to me. So whether that's going on a jog or walk with my wife and our animals or, you know, going to our, our home gym that we built or, you know, staying active with.
0: Awesome. Yeah. What animals, what animals you got?
1: So we have two cats and two dogs. Um, we, we actually, uh, have, uh, a German shepherd on the, our German shepherd passed in December and we have a puppy that's coming a week from today from the same kennel. Um, so, uh, yeah, two dogs and
0: two cats. Okay, cool. A zoo in here. Uh, yeah, my house too. I have two corgis and we're getting another corgi today. Um, so I, I want a large, I want like a, like a, like a larger dog, but yeah. I just keep ending up with, with (laughs) corgis.
1: Corgis Uh, are a good dog for the small dog. You know, sometimes small dogs are pretty yappy or not as uh, friendly, but corgis have had some good experiences with them.
0: Yeah, for sure. How can our listeners uh, find out more about you, get in touch with you and learn, learn from you?
1: Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, pretty active on there. Um, You can email me Brian at elevatecig.com. Or you can go to elevatecig.com resources. We've got a lot of cool uh, information on there, comparing the stock market to real estate, um, some other free informational stuff on the website.
0: Awesome. Well, Brian, thanks again for joining. I really appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a great opportunity to get to know you and I look forward to uh, talking to you in the future.
1: Yeah, same with you, Sterling.
0: This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to crestworthcapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.